I want to set up our story. Um, oh yeah, I didn't explain the other card in your seat. It's a big cliffhanger. You're, uh, we're going to kind of talk about this at the end. Feel free to use the bottom of this page to take notes if you like to take notes. Um, you can use that, but we're going to kind of reference that at the end. Um, so just kind of be looking for that. Let me set our story up for us. Um, Matthew chapter 7, it's very early in Jesus' ministry. He has been teaching and performing miracles, and um, his ministry is just getting off the ground. He's about 30 years old. Uh, word is starting to spread about Jesus, the things that he's teaching, the things that he's doing, that people are starting to catch the buzz about this, this man from Nazareth, the things that he's doing. And I just kept thinking, you know, the, the culture that they lived in, in a lot of ways, is like ours, that when, when something new, when, uh, when something new comes to town, when something catches our attention, we, we start to share and we start to tell our friends, and before we know it, like the, 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 the new things that everyone has heard about it. Have you had a cup of coffee from Barista Parlor? Have you, have you seen Jude and the Lion live in concert? Have you been to Five Daughters Bakery? Like, you know, there's something about new things that you haven't heard about it. Now you're going to go seek it out. You're going to go look into it, right? Like there, there's something about new things that gets our attention. And, and it just kind of hit me that Jesus, this, this, this man, this ordinary man in so many ways starts preaching and, and word just starts spreading like wildfire that there is this guy and he's preaching and his preaching comes with authority and realness and his preaching comes with power and there's something different about this man. And so people just start flocking to him. And in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, this crowd comes to where Jesus is. And it says that Jesus goes up on a mountain and he sits down. He doesn't need to stand up. And he gives the most epic sermon akin to Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. The most memorable of Jesus' sermons is in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. You go back and read it if you've never read it before. It's powerful. And today we're going to be looking at how he ends this epic sermon. I love the, the way that Jesus, you know, the, the crowds have come. They're hearing him teach all day long. And, and this is how he chooses to close out the most epic sermon. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. You guys with me this morning? Good. I love you guys. This is so fun. It says, therefore... This is the word of Jesus. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so I love this beautiful metaphor that Jesus gives to us to teach us a spiritual reality. Christopher, where is your favorite beach? If I, if I said, I'm paying for you to go to vacation, where are you going next week? Put you on the spot. Come ready next time, man. Where are you going? Are you going to Florida? Are you going to California? Are you going to Fiji? Uh, Hawaii. Hawaii, okay. Pat, where are you going? Where beach are you going to? What's your favorite beach? Big Sur. Big, what about you, April? Where are you going? Rosemary, Rosemary Beach, okay. So imagine you're, you're going to your, your favorite beach, uh, show up for a vacation, and the house is everything that you want it to be. 
king size bed, amazing shower, incredible kitchen. You go and, and, and you look out your back window and, and the ocean is, you're right on the ocean. You open the double glass doors and you step foot and, and literally there's no distance between you and the ocean. It's literally just sand that you, your first step is, is on, on the beach. Does anyone else want to go to the beach right now? Let's just leave. Let's go. You want to go with me? Now imagine you're outside and you start looking a little bit closer at the house and, and what if the house, you start to, to realize that it's, it's built directly on the sand? There's no footer, no concrete, no cinder blocks, no foundation. It's this beautiful house, but it's literally sitting right on top of the sand. Does it change the way you, you view the house? I love this picture that Jesus gives us, right? No one in their right mind would build something so valuable. No one would put in so much time and creativity and dreaming and in building something that you knew would fall, that did not have the ability to stand, to last. You would never build a house on stand, Chris, ever. And the original audience got this. See, in the first century, as Jesus was talking, they would have uh, instantly got this in a way different way than we would have. See, in the first century, it was way easier and way cheaper just to build on the sand. And I don't want you to, to picture the Florida beaches kind of sand. I want you to imagine the Middle East, that, that the type of sand that, that turns hard and is like concrete in the summer months because there's no rain. And so often people would come to the Middle East, they would come into this part of the country and they were looking for a place to build a house and they would see, oh, this place looks awesome. The ground is hard. It looks like it can build my house. And it was so easy and so cheap just to set up a, a house on ground level. And so they would build houses. But the locals, the people who had been there before knew that this is not what you did. You see, the locals knew that the storms were coming, the waters would rise, and that if you wanted to build a house that would last, the only place to build it was, was up in the cliffs, was up in the rock, where the water couldn't touch it. It would be a great tragedy if, if we left with just a metaphor this morning. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to, to kind of look into the, the, the truth, the, the meat, the heart of what Jesus is saying to us. I'm going to give us four just kind of words or, or pictures. The, the, the first is, is this, if you're a note taker, the, the point. I don't want us to miss the, the point of what Jesus is saying here. That, that our lives would be shaped by Jesus' love and by Jesus' lordship. I think if you could sum up the, these five verses or six verses in Matthew chapter seven, the, the, the point, the big picture, the thing that he wants us to sit in our hearts is that we would be a people that, that is shaped by Jesus's love and by Jesus's lordship. That we would be a family that, that loves Jesus and knows Jesus and walks with Jesus. That we would be a, a family that lives in his love and that we would put into practice the things that he says to us. And so I want to just spend a, just a, a minute talking about his love. And I want to spend the rest of our time kind of talking about our lordship. You know, this week, I don't know if you've ever had one of these introspective moments, if, if you're a follower of Jesus. But I just kind of had one of these moments this week. I got ready on uh, Tuesday morning. I was about to walk out the door. And I just kind of had this thought. Do I really want to spend the rest of my life telling people about Jesus? 
Like, do I want to spend the rest of my life pursuing him and praying and reading and obeying and pressing in? Do I want to spend the rest of my life discipling people and preaching the gospel? Am I, am I really in this thing with Jesus? And I started thinking, you know, if, if I'm not giving my life to this, what would I give my life to? Would I give my life to, to making lots of money? And I started to realize that, that money doesn't bring about Brandon's freedom. Money doesn't bring about our freedom. It, it only enslaves me more. That the more I make, the more I think about it. Or I think about pleasure. What about pleasure? If I'm not living for Jesus, if I'm not all in, if, if I haven't put all of my, 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 my stock in, in Jesus, what am I living for? Would I live for pleasure? For the best food, the best drink, the best entertainment? The best trips? Those things never satisfy. An itch, that scratching doesn't seem to stop. And none of those things are bad. I'm not saying that any of those things are bad, okay? But I think that the thing that we were made for, the thing which satisfies us day in and day out, the thing that satisfies us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, the only place to build a house, the only place to build your life is in his love. We were made for, for friendship. To give our affection and our love to Jesus. I was reading Ephesians chapter three on Friday morning and Jones and I were downstairs doing some laundry. And, and I just read this verse in Ephesians chapter three and, and Paul prays this for this little church. He says, I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you. He said, I'm praying that, that Amy, you, you have the power inside of you just to grasp how, how wide the love of Christ is for you. In Lillian, that you know how, how high the love of Christ is for you. In, in Douglas, that you know how deep the love of Christ is for you. In Griffin, that you would know how long the, 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 the love of Christ is for you, that, that you can't outrun it, you can't outlast it, that the love of Christ is bigger and deeper and stronger and more real than you can ever imagine. He says, I want you to place yourself in this love. Man, I got passionate there. that we would live in his love. That we would have friendship with, with Jesus. Jesus said this in John 15 to, to his boys, to his best friends. He says, greater love has no one than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. And I call you my friends. That we would be a people that, that live in the love of Jesus. And that our lives would be shaped by his lordship. This is a kind of a challenging question that I wrestled with this week that I want to ask you. You know, who calls the shots in your life? Who, who ultimately tells you how to live? Do you decide? Do your friends Make those decisions for you? Does culture tell you how to live? Like, at the end of the day, who calls the shots in your life? I was watching the Super Bowl last week. Any of you guys watched the Super Bowl last week? Any of you disappointed in how it turned out? No one. Good. This is my kind of church, right? 
I was watching this, I was reminded, uh, you know, what, it, what this kind of looks like very, very practically, very tangibly. That So the quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and Cam Newton, they have these radio sets in their helmets. I don't know if you know this or not. So they'll, you see them often kind of doing this. They put their, kind of the, their hands over the ear holes of their helmet so that they can hear. And, and what's going on is that there's a coach, there's an offensive coordinator who's sitting high up in the stadium. In fact, the, the very top who, who has a different picture of everything. He can, he can see the, the field. He can see the, the schemes. This offensive coordinator, this coach, his, his whole job is revolved around knowing what play to call when what defense shows up on the field. And so this offensive coordinator, they come to the line and he sees the, the, the way that the defense is lined up and so he calls in a play and the quarterback's only job is to put into practice the thing that the offensive coordinator has told them to put into play. And it just hit me and go, man, as as followers of Jesus, do we we take our cues from what we think is best? Do we pick up the Nashville scene and go, oh, that's how I'm supposed to live my life? Or do we go to Jesus and go, man, you you have the, the perspective that I don't have. You, you see things like, I don't see them. And I believe what it means to live under his lordship is that you and I, we, we take our cues from Jesus. That we look to him, we look to his life, we look to his words. Last week, we looked at the story of, of Mary and Martha and Andrew just freaking hit it out of the park. He's such a gifted teacher. I love that dude so much. And we looked at this story of, of Mary and Martha. Jesus came into their home and, and Mary simply sat at his feet, listened to Jesus, and she was commended for doing this. So if you are with us last week, we invited you to try something. We started this series called Everyday Discipleship. We invited you this past week to spend some time in scripture, to spend some time in silence, and to spend some time just sharing the things that you hear. You know, you come into this place this morning, maybe you, you heard nothing all week long. Riley, maybe you tried this and you, you didn't hear a thing all week long. Nick, maybe you tried this. Uh, instead of trying it seven days a week, maybe you only did it one time a week. Praise God that you tried it. Praise God if you heard nothing but you sat in silence. Praise God that you, you took one day and, and sat and opened the word of God. Do you realize that you always start where you are, not where you wish you were? I remember I was going into high school, going to play on the football team, and I remember one of the requirements is that you, you had to lift weights, which you can tell by my physique that that's not a strong suit of mine, right? And so I remember walking into the weight room the very first time, and I see all these just big dudes, and they're bench pressing 300 pounds, 350 pounds, and I kid you not, I sit down on the bench press, and I, the first time I lifted weights, 65 pounds is all I could lift. Dalway, how much weight is that? You can like curl that with one arm probably. And, and I'm struggling to get it up. And, and, I, and I tell you that because so often we come in this place and, and you're, you're kicking yourself because you weren't perfect in the way you sat in scripture and listened in silence this week. And I'm going, you, you start where you are. And if you tried it this week, praise God. And if you didn't try it, you have this next week to try it. So what we encourage you to do last week isn't something, hey, try this one week and then we're going to forget it and never do it again. No, the things that we're giving you for this, uh, this idea of everyday discipleship, it's this idea that we would incorporate it into our very real lives. And so try it this week. 
But maybe you heard something this week. Maybe as you sat and, and you opened the word, Chad, as you, as you sat in silence this week, maybe the scripture came alive to you. Maybe you, you heard a word or maybe one of your buddies sent you a text and said, hey, I think I, I've got something to share with you. And what we talked about last week goes hand in hand with what we're going to talk about today. If you listened this past week, I'm so proud of you. Amazing. Now, what do we do with it? Hearing Jesus is so important. We, we learn through hearing him. We are stretched through hearing him. We come alive when we hear from him. And it's clear that Jesus values us hearing. But it's also clear that, that we are not to come at the scripture. We're not to come at his word. The same way we come to a movie or to a concert. That we, we show up and we hear and we watch and we enjoy. And then it's back to our normal lives. No, Jesus is inviting us to come to him on Sundays and in scripture and in silence and the things that he speaks into our lives, we, we put into practice. You would never, Bethany, you would never cook supper, right? Like spend a couple hours cooking and then never eat it, right? Like that's just not the way things work. Griffin, you would, you would never go to a CrossFit gym and just stand and watch everyone else working out. If you do, that's creepy and weird. Don't do that anymore. Like, <laughs> no, you, we understand that, that when you prepare this feast, part of the joy is in eating it. And when you get all the gear, when you get the new shoes and, and you, you get the, the clothes and you sign up for the CrossFit class and you show up, like the good thing comes when you actually try it. And I think Jesus looks at us and he's so very much alive. And I think he's been speaking through this word to me and to us this week. Man, do not just be a hearer of the word of God. When the words of God start coming into your life, Lewis, put those things into practice. And Jesus so confidently and boldly says, let me show you. Sarah, let me tell you how to live. I'm the offensive coordinator. I see things. I'm the expert. And what hit me is that it, what it boils down to for a lot of us is faith. You know, the common ground that each of us comes in this place with this morning is that we're all trying to make sense of life. What's my purpose? What does it mean to live a meaningful life? Is there one global God? If so, how can I know him? We come with questions. And I love that Jesus so meets us in our questions and says, listen to me. Live under my love and under my lordship. That's the point of this text. I thought about the, the different perspectives that we come to, to these words of Jesus with, that, that some of us, we hear that, and Jesus says to us, hey, look at my life, listen to my words, let your life be shaped by the things that I'm telling you. And some of us, we hear Jesus saying that, and we go, no, you're, you're too oppressive. Your commands are too cumbersome. Some of us, we come to Jesus and he says, let your life be shaped by my love and my lordship. And come and say, we, we come to Jesus and we say, no, no, I, I'm cool with you being my, my Lord, my savior, but I don't want you to be my Lord. That we're cool with what Jesus does for us, but the moment he starts telling us how to live, we're, we're not for that. His commands are merely suggestions. They're, they're not sovereign. Some of us come in, we, we hear these words of Jesus, let your life be shaped by my lordship, and we come up with a legalistic. Okay, I'll do it. I'll earn it. I'll try hard. 
I'll never mess up. I'll do everything perfect. And I think the perspective that he's inviting us to, to see is to look at Jesus. To see the way that he arranged his life under the Father's love and under the Father's lordship. So you see this in Matthew chapter 3 where Jesus gets baptized and he comes out of the water. And, and you can go and read this. And it says that the heavens are torn open and the Father speaks from heaven. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. He lived in the Father's love and he lived under the Father's lordship. You see this in Matthew chapter 26 where what Jesus wanted butted up with uh, against what the Father wanted. He said, Father, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die. I don't want to go through with this. And he, he prays and he presses into the Father and what he realizes is that his will is not lined up with what the Father's want. And who wins? Who won in that situation? The Father. Because Jesus had decided to arrange his life under the lordship of the Father. Guys, Jesus is not telling us to do something that he hasn't already done. Jesus is not some oppressive, egotistical tyrant who views us as peons who have no value or worth or name. We don't simply just exist to do what he wants, no. The way that he views us, I love John 3, verse 16 and 17, that, that he emptied himself and he gave his life, not to condemn us, but to save us. His love, his lordship is not one of control, but one of care. I started thinking about my mom. You know, my mom lives in Kentucky, up in Murray, where I'm from. And so often she'll come down to see us, to, to see my wife and the kids and she really comes to see the kids, if I'm being honest. But she comes to see them. And, and you know, we've, I've lived in Nashville for 13 years now. And up until this past year, basically every time she calls, or every time she comes, she calls and she needs directions. I'm like, I've been here 12 years. How do you not know how to get to my house? Like, but I'll call her or she'll call me. Hey, no. Now, is this the interstate that I take? <laughs> yes, mom. <laughs> you go this direction and then you turn left and you go four miles, you take another left, you take another left and then you're there. Okay, got it. <laughs> Me giving my mom directions is, is never about control. I just know the way. I'd been there. It was my path. And I wanted her to get there too. And Jesus looks at us and he says, the best way to live this life is in my love and in my lordship. That's the point, that's the perspective. Let's look at the promises. Let's look at the text. I'm gonna just read this one more time. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who, who lives in my love, who hears me and who, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, lives in my lordship, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and the beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want us to think about the promises that he speaks to us here just real quickly. A couple of promises he speaks to us. The first is this, that the storms will come. This is what Jesus says in the book of John, that in this life you will have trouble and the storms are gonna look different for all of us. The storms will come into your life. Maybe you're in a storm right now. The first promise of Jesus, the storms will come. Second promise, he says, is when you live by faith in his love and his lordship, you will stand. 
you live by faith in his love and his lordship, your life will stand. Some of my good friends, they lost a daughter when she was 16 years old. And I look at this family and you would think, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine losing Finley and Jones. I can't, I can't imagine watching one of you lose one of your kids. Like my heart just hurts the thought of that. And yet you look at this family and they're some of the most just Jesus loving, hopeful, faithful, generous, and kind people you'll ever meet. And you go, how is that so? How could you have gone through such heartache, such a, a terrible situation? How could you wrestle through all that and still be such an amazing person of God? Because the words of Jesus are true. That when he really is the, 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 the Lord, the love of our life, when hard things come in our life, it doesn't mean that they don't hurt. and It doesn't mean that they don't keep us down. It doesn't mean that, that hard things don't, don't, don't affect us. It means that we will stand. That the storms can't take away that which God has done in our lives. The other promise that Jesus says is that when you hear the ways of Jesus and the words of Jesus and you decide to do your own thing, your life will fall. And this is a hard thing to say to you. It's a hard thing to read in scripture. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you build your life on anything but Jesus and his words, the thing you're building your life on cannot and was not meant to handle it. When your life is built on anything other than Jesus. When you hear the ways of Jesus and the words of Jesus, you decide to do your own thing. Jesus says, you will fall. You'll fall. That there's something drastically different about the way you experience the storms when Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart. And he loves us. Fourth thing I want us to look at real briefly is just the path. Every one of us is going to get to decide which house we will build, which path we will take. This is where I want us to end today. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. We're going to stand and we're going to sing and Kayla and the band are going to get back up here and lead us. And, and I just want to invite you, man, if you come here today and you want to become a follower of Jesus, Step into his love and into his lordship. It's not about earning anything. It's not about doing anything. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If you want to become a Christian, it's not about cleaning your life up and knowing the right answers. It's about believing in your heart. This is what Romans 10 says and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. And if you come in this morning and you want to become a Christian, there are going to be some of us at the back that respond banner when we stand and sing. And if you want to step into this life with his love and his lordship, if you want this to be your reality, just come and talk to us in the back. We'd love to help. You can become a Christian and follow Jesus today. If you're a follower of Jesus and you come in this place and you realize that you've been missing it, 
if you've been the own Lord of your life or if culture has been the Lord of your life, if you come here and you're discouraged and defeated because Jesus hasn't been the Lord, what do you do? There's good news because your house isn't finished. You're still breathing, you're still alive, you're still in the middle of building. And if you've been building your house on anything but Jesus, here's what I hope you know, it's gonna be very easy to move. Start building your life on Jesus. Walk in repentance. If there is a theme in the Bible, it is this, that that when the people of God turn back to God with all their hearts, he so graciously extends his arms. That if you've been missing it, if you realize that in whatever way that, that something has been Lord of your life, if something has been guiding you more than Jesus, just repent. This is not a negative thing to be scared of. It's the biblical principle for someone who's been filled with the Spirit of God, who we're not yet perfect, but we're aiming towards perfection. And the Spirit of God keeps pointing out the places in our lives that we're missing it so that we can step further into the light, further on this path. As we take communion, I just invite you to share. I mean, if you've been, if you've been missing this, just share with you, whoever you came with, your friends or your boyfriend, your spouse, just, just share. Man, I've, I've been missing it. And let them pray for you and experience the, the flood of the grace of Jesus as it comes into your life. And you realize that, that today, the rest of the day, you get to live a different life. The rest of us. We come here and we go, man, I, I want to do what he says. I, I want to put into practice the things in his life. How do I do this? What does it look like from going from, from just hearing the words of God to start obeying, to start putting them into practice in my life? Three things. And the first is this, understand that he is with us. Philippians 2 verse 13 says that it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so what I'm telling you is that that you want to start being obedient to the things in Scripture, you want to start aligning your life under his lordship, it's just not just a, a go and try harder and just do it, just suck it up and just do it. No, it's understanding that the Spirit of God is inside of you who is going to be working to help you be obedient to the commands of Jesus. Second thing I want to invite you to do is to, to put rhythms into your life where you can consistently hear him speak. Don't let what we tried last week Scripture and silence and sharing. Don't just let that be something we did one week out of the year. Let that be a rhythm of your life. And very practically, I invite you to just to kind of pick up this, this sheet real fast. I want to explain this. This is a tool that has been created by this man named David Cole, and he's just this brilliant man who has studied the way that, that we learn and, and the, the, the process of education. And he adapted this tool, and this uh, Christian leader named Mike Breen kind of got a hold of it and adapted it. And, and some of the guys on our team, Dave and Aaron, got a hold of that. They kind of adapted it to, to kind of fit our church and to, to some of the things. So here's what I want to say about this hearing circle. This is nowhere in Scripture. I don't think Jesus is going to ask you about this when you get to heaven one day, like how well you did at this. This is just simply a tool to help you if you're looking for a way to very practically learn how to, to go from hearing to doing. So you, you start at the top where the X is and it says a God moment and then you kind of, uh, you just go around the circle, reflect, discuss, plan and act. Let me just explain this real, fa real fast. And so a God moment, um, this is when you're sitting and, and, and a passage of scripture just grabs your heart. Or this is like a couple months ago, my buddy Nathan sent me a, a, an email and it's just this passage of scripture and it just got a hold of my heart. A God moment is anything that just kind of stands out to you personally above and more than the other things in life. 
What do you do when you start having one of these moments where you're sitting in silence and you feel like God is saying something to you? You reflect. I invite you to get a journal, get a piece of paper, write down questions, write down thoughts, write down the thing that you think God might be speaking into your life. You go from reflecting to discussing. And so this is a place where your community, your, your house church, your friends, your spouse comes into practice. Hey, hey, I, I've been hearing this thing from God. I've been sensing that he's, he's telling me not to be afraid anymore. You discuss it. You move to the other side of the circle, the doing. You, you form a plan. What are you gonna do about it? And then you act. You do something with it. And so let me just kind of pull this down real quick. I'll take a minute and try to do this. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared this passage out of Galatians chapter five, verse one. And this was essentially the process that I went through. I started praying for a, a word for our church. And I felt like God was putting Galatians five, chapter one on my heart, that it is for freedom that, that Christ has set you free. So I start reflecting about this. What do I think God's trying to say to me? What is he trying to say to our family here at Marathon? I talk to Andrew, I discuss it. Hey, I think God might be inviting us into to new places of freedom when we gather and when we scatter. We form a plan. Okay, we're gonna share this with the body of Christ. We're gonna tell people when you come here, man, step into new levels of freedom in your heart and when you gather and when you leave, when you scatter. And then you act. I believe that what Jesus wants us to do is not to be people who simply hear but to act on the things that we're hearing. I invite you sometime this week, man, to, to walk through this. And it's not, you might use this one time, you might not ever use this, to, to use this this week for something that you feel like God might be speaking into your life. And maybe you don't feel like God's speaking anything into your life. Man, keep this in your tool belt so that one day when God does, you have a way to process it. Okay, I've talked long enough. I love you guys. Let's stand, let's take communion. Uh, if you wanna talk or pray, there'll be some people at the respond banner in the back. If you need to confess, repent, let's do that. Uh, for those of you coming here this morning and you're full, let's just pray for other people in this room. Pray that God would give you a word, right? You guys have freedom to speak, to pray, to encourage each other. And uh, I love you guys so much. Let's take communion, let's sing, let's worship.